Welcome to the Center for a New American Securities NATSEC Women podcast series. Last year, we started a project on getting new audiences to think and talk about issues of gender, inclusivity, and national security. Schedule an event with gender in the title, and you can guarantee it is 95% women talking to other women in the audience about women's issues. So we tried other ways. Some audiences were receptive. Some weren't. Some were frustrated we were making a big deal out of a topic they thought was closed. Asked and answered, move on. But among the women we know, it didn't feel nearly as clear-cut. So we're bringing you right to the source. One-on-one, candid conversations with women in national security about their careers, their experience, their advice, and their lessons. Here's their stories. Hi, I'm Lauren Shulman. I'm with CNAS, and this is our Women in National Security podcast series. I'm here with a wonderful friend of mine, Nayara, who I met in Israel and have learned so much from in the time that we spent uh, over the last couple of years on an amazing trip and then thereafter in all of our uh, engagements since then. Um, I'm super excited to have her here to talk to all of you about her experience in national security. So first, I just want to start with introducing yourself. Who are you? Why are you a badass woman in national security? Tell us about yourself. Well, it is a great privilege to be called a badass woman by somebody I admire as a badass woman. So thank you, Lauren. Um, I'm Nayara, and I have spent about 15 years in government. I started on the domestic side, but was really, really interested in exploring national security. And so I, I came midway through a political career to what I discovered is a space that is largely non-political and about values and representing American interests. And to me, that was a wonderful space to get involved in. I also have a uh, family background that has roots overseas, so it was important to me to be able to help bridge those gaps uh, in communication and just represent America. Uh, So I worked at the State Department as a spokesperson. I uh, worked at the Pentagon for a while also, and uh, also at the UN, largely in the public affairs and communication space, always really intrigued about this idea of communicating why it matters to engage internationally, to represent present America abroad, militarily and diplomatically. And I can say that the following my nose and following something that was truly of personal interest to me helped overcome the multiple hurdles that were in my way. So your experience as a spokesperson has fascinated me in that it requires you to answer questions a lot of times that you may not necessarily be comfortable with or be a representative in a way that uh, a lot of people don't have to be who can kind of work behind closed doors in national security. And one of the questions I'm sure you get a lot is, uh, how do you deal with being a woman in national security or what's it like to be a woman in national security? And I know some people answer that in a very sort of positive, optimistic way. Others are very pessimistic about it. But I'm curious about, you know, somebody who's probably gotten that question a million times. How do you answer that? Uh, To be a woman in national security, particularly in communications, is not necessarily to be alone um, in that track, right? It's it's PR is traditionally a field where people think, you know, women know how to talk to people and they're good at that. So uh, we do see a lot of women in that space, but part of it um, when it comes to national security is you have to be able to bring a credibility to the table because you are representing through your voice and through your image. American policy. And so it is a, I'm I'm keenly aware that when I'm in front of, when I was in front of a microphone for the U.S. government, I was representing everybody. And that's particularly why it's important to have 
women, minorities, diversity, uh, in addition to the men that we have in the space, because our policy and how we present it needs to reflect our, the entirety of fabric of our country, as well as the people that we're trying to communicate with. In many ways, of my being a woman was considered non-threatening to some of these audiences I was trying to explain U.S. policy to. So it was a great benefit and great response outside, but internally uh, with the bureaucracy that I was dealing with uh, at federal agencies, being a woman, I also had to prove over and over again, despite my accomplishments out in the field, I had to prove to my own people that I was smart and savvy enough, even uh, particularly in my, because my appearance would not be, as a petite woman, that my appearance would not get in the way of being taken seriously uh, because people have a perception of what they think a US diplomat should look like. So breaking that and proving the case, um, it was ir the irony was I proved the case with people outside of the US mm -hmm. than I was able to people within my own department. So you've worked in the Department of Defense, the White House, the State Department, uh, up at our uh, mission to the UN, and a number of other places. And like the cultures of those could not be more different. And the experience of going from one to the other and having different roles, that must have been just incredibly challenging in a lot of ways to have to kind of restart yourself in each one. And I'm curious about what changes did you make uh, throughout your career to make yourself be seen as an expert or equal in the workplace? And part of that, having been in different places, could uh, was was definitely challenging. But also, that was the what I now find to be the asset, um, a strong skill set that I developed and have been able to apply in my now senior career. And that is the ability to adapt to various environments. And I have to say that a large part of the ability to do that comes from having being a woman and regularly being in spaces where I am not uh, represented at the table. Uh, so. Either way, you have to listen to a conversation, figure out how you can assert your opinion, have you know get to yes and get the credit, and also move the policy forward. Uh, so applying it in one space and navigating that, that same skill set tra translated to multiple other spaces. And I can affirmatively say that uh, in looking at the all of these different cultures, um, each of them is still if not, neither one of those uh, agencies is better mm -hmm. at dealing with women in the workplace and integrating women in the workplace than the other, it really does come down to who is in charge of the mm -hmm. particular division you're working in. Um, everybody at the top uh, wants to have more diversity. They want to integrate women uh, better in the workplace, but it, it really just depends on the boss you have at that moment. Um, because I've had female bosses that were relatively hamstrung in being able to make decisions, and I've had male bosses who um, really helped advance my career. Interesting thing I did note, though, and um, I had always been thought that maybe this is a, you know, from watching lots of movies in the 80s with women wearing big shoulder pads <laughs> and uh, suit jackets, that there was a look that I had to maintain. And that look had to be very similar to what the men around me look like. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, I did the pantsuit thing. Yep, the, the black and the gray, the, the Pentagon uniform. Right. We, we all wore Ann Taylor and looked exactly alike. Exactly the same. And, you know, did you wear the skirt or the pants? That was maybe the, you know, how high would your heel be? And I realized later on that there was actually a power to owning my femininity. Mm -hmm. Rather than trying to look like the men, because 
when I look like the men, I look like a boy, let's be honest. I you know, short hair, I'm tiny, and I'm wearing a suit jacket. And I remember showing up one day, because I'd been having challenge with a group of senior men, uh, even though I was in charge of my division, of really just getting my point across and respect them. Like, I made a decision for my department, why is this constantly being litigated? And I showed up one day, same group, same time meeting, and I was wearing a black dress. And I, I'd never worn a dress to the office before. And I wore the dress, and I honestly felt, I felt different and more confident in mm-hmm. a way, uh, a different kind of power. And the men reacted to me differently too. Now, I'm not saying I was tarted up in any way and they, you know, I tried to look all sexy. I just owned who I was. Yep. And there was a power of being feminine that they were responding to. And I don't know what kind of psychology it means, but it certainly translated far better than trying to look like a little boy. I have this... Uh an article I'm just desperate to write about how women in high-powered national security jobs dress and in exactly mm-hmm. that vein of I could identify who was the busiest, who had the hardest portfolios, and who was just giving it their all based on what they were wearing on a given basis uh, because they were the ones who had the most amazing wardrobes. Like they were The people who were asserting themselves in their job had the most fabulous shoes, the most interesting dresses on a day-to-day mm-hmm. basis. And I think it was a lot of what you're saying is that they were most comfortable in their skin and they were most comfortable in in their jobs and their portfolios as well and, and yeah and, and you and they also it's not you already stand out when you're yeah. looking different in the group anyway now you might as well just own it and own it in the way to, that fits your personality so you will be authentic and that the authenticity particularly in communication really rings true yeah my i think that the turning point in my career that i always felt was when i bought my my teal vintage 1950s silk oh. suit and uh like it's it's very odd i have oh. always have a mental image of myself from that time period of being just a complete badass uh, and wearing that suit and i don't know why but like that, that really resonates with me of like this is when i decided yep i'm me and i'm gonna completely own this mm-hmm. Um, but talking about, you know, how people perceive women, I, I'm wondering, what do you think, you know, walking into the room, being a, a young petite woman, what is the biggest misconception that people have about women who work in national security that, in your perspective? They just don't expect us to be in charge of anything. Mm-hmm. And, it, and the irony is we, they, the people in our offices, the people we work with most closely know what we are able to bring to the table. But it is that, uh, it is the, when you come in into an audience or an environment where, you don't have that intimate connection. You walk in, and I kid you not, I've been asked if I could bring somebody a cup of coffee when I was walking in to essentially start the meeting. Uh, And the person was horrified Mm -hmm. uh, and embarrassed, but it is, so these are these unconscious biases that you you just learn, I guess. I'm still navigating that, but I've just learned to just barrel through it and Mm -hmm. laugh it off and keep going. And hey, at least then when they feel bad about it, you're at the advantage. So I live in the space of being underestimated and using that to my advantage. Unfortunately, it, it, it might be it might be nice to walk in and have people say, "Oh, yes, that that's the person who's in charge now." But uh, I have not had that privilege yet, and I've just used it to my advantage when I can. I remember going into the one meeting before it had started and had the same experience of having somebody first at a retired, not a, a currently retired, but a then four-star general say, "Could you get me a cup of coffee?" And the next one who knew me, who walked in the room, said, Lauren, that briefing that you wrote for this meeting is amazing. And he said it right in front of the one who just asked me for coffee. And he was just really embarrassed. But I just went with it and brought him his coffee and said, would you like cream or sugar? And you could just tell in his face that he was just felt completely horrible about it. And mm-hmm. I, I loved that moment. It was great. Right. Because it, 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 it's 
forcing people to confront that, you know. They made an assumption that was completely wrong. You're right. And if you ask people, right, people are like, of course I'm not sexist. Of course I'm not racist. But nope. we all have a little in us that we, we need to be working on. And so I, I enjoy helping other people work on theirs, too. <laughs> so if you could go back to your younger self when you first entered this field, what advice would you give them about being a woman in national security? Oh, wow. I... Um, it took me a while to actually realize that there there was something going on that was connected to me being a woman and being taken seriously. And, you know, some of it was the, oh, okay, do I police how I talk? Do I up talk? Is it, is it the way I'm presenting myself? And you, you twist yourself into knots. Uh, and I would say, don't. Know that up front that that will be, that may come to be a challenge. Be kind to other women ahead of you. Uh, and behind you. Just be kind to each other and uh, own what you know. Uh, Absolutely be at the table. Always sit at the table Mm -hmm. because I kid you not, the intern, the male intern will sit at the table when you as a mid-level staffer will be sitting on the back bench. There's absolutely no reason. Unless you really are trying to blend into the wall, always sit at the table from day one, even as an intern, because then people will look at you and trust you and think you have responsibility. Um, Dress for the job you want, not the one you have, in whatever way you think that means, but certainly uh, look professional, but don't try to police yourself and overthink everything that's happening. Mm -hmm. Be authentic and know your stuff. That's the, know your content because no amount of outside polish will make up for the fact that you're not able to answer a question uh, when your boss needs the answer. Nara, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. And uh, if I could have you back again on the same show to offer even more lessons, I would and probably will in the future. So thank you so much. Thank you, Lauren. Oh, it's great to talk to you.